Panther time. What's up, you guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Seltzer Time Podcast. It's your boy, Ricky, a.k.a. Dick Chuck, a.k.a. the man behind the can at Seltzer Time Official. Here, as always, with my conversation accomplice, the man with a hunch about what's there, Travis. What is cracking, Fizzle Fiends? Welcome back to another episode of the Seltzer Time Podcast. And uh, as regularly stated, we are excited to have you with us. I am tre- keep trying to come up with new ways to say that same shit over and over again, and I think I'm running out of uh, <laughs> synonyms. This week you on the show... Thanks, homie. This week on the show, we are talking to Toon Nguyen, candidate for city councilor at large. But before we get there, y'all know what we have to do. Hey, Ricky, how was your week? What up? Um, My week was good, man. I did a lot of working. Um, I'm trying to think of like what I did outside of working. It was really nice out, but I was inside the entire time. Um, so that, that happens. Lucky me. Yeah. Uh, I feel it. I don't know. Like, I feel like it was like a good week, but it was a very, very like uneventful, which I think is like kind of nice. Went for a walk. That was fun. Yeah. We had that nice little warm snap there for a minute. Yeah. Yeah. I do. Yeah. I think this is like such a, I'm trying to, I really don't think I did. Like really much. Of, I'm sure something amazing happened and I just, I literally can't think of what it was. Um, uh, did you <clears> happen <throat> to get any interesting mail? Oh yes. So shout out polar for finally, thanks for reminding me about that for the first time in history. Um, yeah. They sent us a thing. <laughs> yeah. How was that? Thing? Are you allowed to talk about it? We must be able to. Yeah. Yeah. It's all over the place. Now. You can like buy it at grocery stores and stuff too. Um, yeah, so we they sent us one of the 100th flavor bottles. So it glows in the dark, which is pretty dope. Turns out Polar is named after Polar Polaris, that the like star thing. So the the label was kind of built around that. You shut the lights off. They sent us a little flashlight with some instructions, and you just kind of you know light it up and shut the lights off. But it That's was good. Cool. It, yeah, it was cool. It, um, the flavor is a little sweet for my taste buds it's very much like that it has star fruit in it so it kind of reminds me a lot of the, the like star fruit lemonade okay. one they have okay um it's very close to that it has like strawberry and maybe something else in there too so it's really Lovely. good it would honestly be a really 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 great flavor to have like in the summer really cold maybe with some tequila floating around the pool I'd be very much into that. So that might be, yeah, it's a very good like cocktail thing. Um, although I don't like my cocktails sweet, so <laughs> it's just not a flavor that's really built for my palate, but people are going to love it. Um, everybody I've talked to who has had it absolutely loves it. So, and it was delicious. I did, I did drink it. it took me two days though. Cause it was the one liter bottle. 
So I had to bring it to work with me the next day and finish off. I had to. I can never finish them in one sitting. I also never drink. That's a lot of seltzer. It is. Yeah. I like the cans. Like it's easier for the video. It's, you know, it can do it with one hand. More appropriate Um, serving size. It's exactly. Yeah. I can have, you know, two a day. And then this was like, whoa, whoa. whoa. (laughs) Um, But no, it was dope. So thanks, Polar. We're excited about it. And if you guys want to do more stuff, hit us up. We would love to do more. That's what we're here for, you know? Popping in <laughs> bottles and asking questions. There you go. How so, was uh, how was your week? Because I week. don't know if I did anything else outside of that. I genuinely <laughs> cannot remember. My week was great. Uh, I, too, spent most of it working. Uh, we have a website that we're launching for a client and... I had to write a proposal. I had been working with this business coach out in uh, swimming, Laura, she's been helping me out. And she challenged me, asked me why my proposals for a graphic design company, why does my proposal look so boring? And I went, that's a good question. That's a good question. (laughs) (laughs) So I've been really concentrating on that and really upping that game. Um, I got to help out uh, Kaz from Wartown Rising. Of course, I got the new t-shirt in. Yours is still sitting here. I got to get it to you. Um, but his new website's up. So uh, Obscure Profit or Wartown Rising has a store. He has more information about the movie. Cannot friggin' wait for that documentary to come out. Dude, same. That's going right? to be so sick. And then I uh, I traded a piece of art with my local friend, Gabrielle. Uh, she's uh, another artist that met through the scene. And so we traded pieces. I have this black and white wall downstairs where it has just a bunch of little pieces Sarah and I have been collecting throughout the years. And she was looking to do this collection of canvases that are 10 by 10, where she wants to cover a whole wall with canvases done by different artists. So we traded. That's dope. Yeah. Well, it's less dope that she gave me the canvas back in December. And uh, I kind of dragged my feet a little bit, but it's done. And again, we swapped this week and um, really pumped for just, I don't know. It was good to see her. She's, it's fun to have friends of all ages and she's yeah. definitely like one of my older friends, but she's so sweet. And, you know, the painting came with rye bread and I got to give her some of my pierogies. So that's rad. Yeah. It was a fair trade. That's and very then, cool. Uh, I also, yeah, see, I had an eventful week. Uh, I've been hanging out with a couple of local, uh, local creatives, uh, Chris Michelotti and Brianna Woodward, two local designer, creative artists, makers i don't know what the hell you want to call them um it's i'm trying like hell to meet people and it's harder than hell to meet people in a pandemic so it's been great to meet other like-minded individuals and collaborate on some things and make some cool stuff that's dope and then lastly i got to see my grandmother this weekend i was going to say my fucking grandmother but (laughs) it's a little intense it's It's a little bit tomorrow the day this releases is her 91 91st birthday we missed her 90th birthday because last year was more dangerous than this year but she got her vaccination and she felt comfortable enough to have a couple guests for a little bit so we went and saw her happy birthday grandma yeah happy birthday dorothy 91 years young i like the name dorothy it's very cool thanks she's i don't know if i've ever met a dorothy in real life People call her Dot, and I always think that's funny. Huh. That's cool. Yeah. Random. Is that Dots. what Dot is that what Dot's like short for? I think so. I mean, I don't I don't know what else it'd be for. Yeah, no, I guess I never thought about it. I've also only met like when my when I was really young, my mom worked 
at this company. And there was a lot of like, I mean, my mom was one of the younger people that worked there. And there was a lot of like older women and they all had names like Dolores. And like, I'm sure there was a dot. Cause that sounds very, 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 very like real. Um, but yeah, that's cool. I never really thought about the name dot, what it comes from. There's a colloquialism or hypo charism of the female name Dorothy. That's, that's so sick. Interesting. Huh. I wonder when Dorothy will like come back into fashion for like a kid's name. When somebody remakes, uh, Wizard, Wizard, of, Oz. Is it Wizard of Oz. Yeah. Yeah. It makes it <laughs> less I was cool. in Greece and I was like, I know that's not the movie, but like, yeah, okay. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Dorothy's cool. Dorothy, uh, loves to go to the casinos. She's itching to get back there. She, My grandma as well. Is your grandmother lucky? Uh, no, my grandma <laughs> is not lucky at all, but she likes to tell me that, <laughs> and that this is probably true, but she is, she says that she is the one who single-handedly built the entire new addition onto Foxwoods that they did like 15 years ago. She goes so much. And I was like, yeah, you probably did. Like you, that's, she's been going, I, the casino makes me very sad. It's like, my two least favorite places in the world are the casino and Las Vegas. <laughs> because I just, they make me very sad to like watch people who, you know, if I do go to the casino, it's for like a concert or for dinner or something. Right. I don't really gamble. Um, and even when I do, it's like 20 bucks. And I'm like, Oh I mean, I could have bought like a Negroni with our two, you know what I mean? Like, I like, and that's just how I'm like, I'd rather eat or drink my money. I'm, than, like, I'm with you. It. I'm a hundred percent with you. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, oh, fuck, like whatever. Um, but, you know, I, I, I have a lot of friends who do, and they're really good at it. I just don't possess that skill. Um, excuse me. So, yeah, going, it's always this thing with me where, like, I'll go to a show, and, like, when you're, when you're on your way into the show, everybody's happy, they're all dressed nice, and it's, it's just a, such a, like, it's a party atmosphere. Like, you've just had this really great dinner, and, and you've had a couple of drinks. Everybody's in a really good mood, and you come out of the show and like your life you know outside of seeing like one of the best shows of all time like your your life hasn't really changed right while you're in this concert but when you walk out you're you, you tend to see the same people that you just saw like hours ago who while you were inside you know like having having a couple beers and like watching some really great live music they were like wasting i guess is the right word uh, you know, their rent or, or whatever. And some people can do it and they're really healthy and they're, they've, they've put that money aside and they have a great time. They're also usually home by the time these concerts get out. It's the, when you walk out and it's like, there's the drunk guy who's like in a fight with his, you know, girlfriend or wife. And then there's like the people who are so sad that they're like, you can just kind of like see the, the sadness on people and it, it legitimately bums me out. So I, I totally try not see that. to go. I, I can totally see that. Yeah. Unless I'm going to a concert, I stay very far away. Not my, not my thing. And same with Vegas, unless I'm, I'm sure I will go there at some point again, but the two times I went were for like non gambling events and I, even just walking to where I needed to be. I was like, I am so freaking sad. <laughs> like I just can't help myself. I just so want to go for the magic shows. Yeah, like I would love to go and like 
eat. Like I, like I said, I just want to like go eat dinner and like go to shows and like, it's cool. Like it's also like such a wild place. Like I, I've never, there's nothing like that. It's, it's absolutely incredible, but also the, like the very seedy parts of it are not for me. It's too much. I feel you. I don't think my grandmother would want to go there though. Or there either. Uh, she is lucky though. My grandmother, she's one. That's lottery. how we started talking about this. I was like, why are we talking about yeah. casinos right now? My grandmother is lucky. She she's won lottery once. She hit oh, five cool. numbers uh, using my dad's name. It's a whole thing. That's she, dope. She loves going, and she, I like to think she's responsible, but I don't tend to ask those questions. So maybe I should. Yeah, it's best not to know. I think that's fine. I so like even with playing like the number games, like the lottery games. I do that like once a year and I only do it when it's, you know, like there's always that one game every year where it's like, it's worth $77 billion and everybody and their mother, like people who don't even like know what it is. Like I bought 10 tickets. I'll buy one and I don't even like pick the numbers. I'm like, Oh, I'll get a quick, quick pick. And they're like, I like buy it. And then, or I'll buy like that. And then I'll buy, if there's like another game, I'll buy that, but it's, they're like two bucks. So I, in total, I probably spend about $6 gambling over the course of the year, but, <laughs> and then I get in my car and I like tuck them up in the, in the little, like, you know, Pfizer thing. And then I forget about it. Honestly, yep. <laughs> I think the tickets in the last one are still in there. Cause I'll like text my mom, like the next day or whenever the game is. And I'm like, Hey, like, did I win? <laughs> and she's like, well, I don't know your numbers, but there was no winner. And I'm like, oh, okay. Or she's like, yeah, some random person in like, Montana won all this crazy amounts of money. And I'm like, God damn. But there's that cool, like 24 hour window where you're like, all right, if I won, what would I How do would I with spend all this the money? money? Yeah. Yeah. And my ideas are always great too. I would donate to local charities and organizations. Oh, 100%. Donate, invest. And then also, uh, I like the idea of what we could do with Seltzer time with, that much money would be so funny. Like, honestly, people would have to, they'd start emailing us being like, guys, enough. We get it. Justin Bieber's friends with you. We don't need another episode in a row, but we're like, no, but it's so funny. Guys, but this time we got the biggest inflatable chairs we could find. They're yeah. six, <laughs> they're 60 feet tall. <laughs> one for Travis, one for me, and one for this week's guest, Justin Bieber. Just, all right, well, well, Ricky and I figure out how to get the biggest you know, chairs and us, Justin Bieber. You guys enjoy this interview with two. Yeah. What is cracking, Fizzle Fiends? This week on the show, we are talking to two new win, candidate for city councilor at large. Two, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be on Seltzer Time. So let's start it there because I'm. I we were just before we hit record, we were talking about how you haven't really done a lot of media and you were not really looking forward to doing this part. So, um, what inspired you to to become a candidate for city council at large? Yeah, I think it's it's a very interesting time. You know, I I would remember hearing Barack Obama's like interview where he was talking about his latest book, which is like ordinary people find themselves in extraordinary circumstance. And I think that's where we kind of all are, right? Like this whole 2020 um, leading up to 2021, we're all in this place that we kind of never imagined ourselves to be in. And so last year in the beginning of the pandemic, I kind of started supporting Mutual Aid Worcester with a bunch of people from the community trying to just really do whatever we can to support each other during this time and the most vulnerable folks. And 
yeah, so 2020 just kind of ball rolled into me thinking about running for city council because not only that, we saw the summer um, with a lot of the Black Lives Matter movement and racism. And I just got to a point where I was like, whoa, it is time for us to not only kind of deal with what's in front of us, but the future. You know, we really have to start imagining um, where we're going to head. And we got to imagine ourselves being part of the decision making, because what we've seen was that we weren't part of those decisions and we weren't even a thought in those decision um, making tables. And so part of my run is an ordinary person trying to, you know, do some good in the community and really ensuring that um, our lives are you know, at the center of these kind of conversations, especially people who are most vulnerable. I love that. Yeah, I love that. That's incredible. I wish I mean, all I'd... politicians were just people. <laughs> I mean, they are, you know, like technically you would think that in a democracy, anyone could run for city council. And as long as they kind of had the heart of the people, you know, in their, you know, mission and intentions that they would win. But as I was running, you know, I'm learning about candidacy and campaigning because as a community organizer, you don't really enter the political field that much. Of course, we're trying to advocate. And so we talk to, to politicians, but, you know, I was told it's like 40, 56K to like get a running, winning campaign. And I'm just like, how do you imagine, you know, a person from the community to just have that? Um, so there's a lot of barriers, a lot of, you know, work that we need to do to get normal, you know, average people who represent the community to be part of the city. I guess I never thought about what it costs. Uh, I mean, I obviously like on a, a national level, I know it takes a lot of money to be taken seriously while running, but I never thought about like city council having, you know, you needing that much of a, a bankroll really to get it going. That's, that's kind of wild. It is pretty wild. And I think, you know, once you win, you know, one or two terms and your name is very popular, then you don't have to do like the work anymore. But then, you know, we run into the issue of having people who just stay in office forever. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and then people who, you know, are from the community trying to really be elected um, and make some di different decisions for our community, then all of a sudden they are the ones who have to like find this money somewhere to go against. Um, you know, people who might already have 50,000 just in the bank waiting. Um, and sometimes, you know, networking is super important. Being from the community, my average donation is very low, maybe like one third of someone else's. So it's far more grassroots. I mean, what you're alluding to is essentially marketing, right? Like most of that money gets put right into marketing and getting your name out, I would imagine. Or where does that money else, like, does that get money get spent elsewhere? Yeah, so for myself, I'm actually trying to really have it be people-centered. And so, you know, there is a good amount for mailers. There's no way around it. You know, you just want to get to everyone. But I'm trying to have a youth program that really hires youth to be part of the messaging, to have the dialogues with their peers and their parents. Like, how do we actually get people to go out um, to vote? And so I'm trying to, because... I did struggle a lot with fundraising because I'm just like, oh, we're in a capitalist society. This sucks. The system, you know, makes sure that I'm not supposed to win. Um, but I was like, how do I reframe that? How do I do economic justice? Which means I fundraise to hire people from the community um, to do what they would normally do for free, which is door knock, educate, 
talk to people. That yeah, talk to their friends, talk to their peers. Uh, yeah. That's great. I love the idea of you, you know, not only like bringing a community on board to help, but also you're paying them. That's, that's a huge thing. Yeah. As best as we can, we have to start reimagining the world in that kind of way. Even with mutual aid, Worcester just taught me a lot about, you know, how we could do alchemy with money. It doesn't have to be this evil thing that really, you know, makes us do insane things. It could be something that we're like, well, how do I funnel this in a different way um, that actually supports our community? And then hopefully one day it'll become obsolete. But for now, you know, let's try to, you know, make it into something else. Baby steps. Well, again, I mean, and you're right. That's how you begin to like fix the the people that have been in there for far too long is that we now are changing everything. We are at a younger point in whatever uh, this this technology stuff and now access to information is far easier and now we can actually get out and like get ahead of these people just because you have money doesn't necessarily mean money buys votes like if you could have a grassroots campaign that's that's super strong through no actual dollar spent that's 10 times stronger that's all referral based i mean in marketing like i'll take a referral over any paid earned advertising dollar any day of the week yeah, exactly. Y'all know how this works. <laughs> yeah, that mean, so that's that's so smart of you to focus on people because again, those are that's not only is what you're trying to do help those people, but now you're getting people saying that the two's gonna help us. Like that's fucking awesome. Yeah, I think the other thing is like one of my reasons for running is centered around hope. Um, I was actually feeling very very hopeless, <laughs> you know, close to September last year because quarantine I imagine would end around summer and then the summer as we mentioned happened um, with a lot of inter I mean not international well it was international but national things going on um, and even our own city council I felt like they were dismissing the voices of folks for like the whole summer and I was like whoa and I was being burnt out to be quite honest I was doing so much that I was like what what would lead to actual change and the fact that I felt hopeless made me think about the youth and was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like I'm turning 30 this year. So if I'm turning 30 and feeling hopeless, what, what is a 15 year old gonna feel about their future? Um, and so my desire was to run so that, you know, we have something to work towards. Um, I know my campaign for me doesn't feel like it's just about me. I think, you know, when you run, you become kind of a symbol in a way, you know, you become someone where it's like, yes, that youth who is queer is like, that's a non-binary person running or the Asian youth is like, whoa, I've never seen this happen um, in Worcester, you know, and then younger folks are like, whoa, that's not, you know, a 45, 55-year-old, you know, white, white guy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's what it is. Them's the brakes right now. Yeah. You, you need to fix it. Yeah, and so I think, you know, one of my catalysts for running is to just kind of be that hope and not have it centered be around me, but to be like, look, this could be you, you know, like you could be poor, a refugee, and still run as long as your heart is there. Um, which I think we were lacking. We were lacking the whole, like, I could just do it. <laughs> we were more just like, you know, thinking like, wow, this is a system that we kind of just roll through the motions. And it's like, nah, that time's over. <laughs> if we roll through the motion, we get hit with a pandemic and we're screwed. Yeah. Roll through the That's emotions. a very good point. <laughs> You're still right where you are. 
Mm-hmm. I completely agree with that. I mean, yeah. I, dude, it's super inspirational. I, as a guy that's 35, like I wish I cared about my community to that extent at 30. Like I thought I cared about Worcester. I, you know, helped bring some art, but I'm not going out and fucking changing stuff. And I respect the hell out of what you're trying to do and trying to accomplish. And how do we help? Like how, how does, how does people help get your message out? Yeah. I mean, I think the, the very basic way is really check out the website, learn about the platform. Um, folks can donate for sure. Um, Cause always, you know, even though we're talking about being anti-capitalist, we still live in a capitalistic world. So, you know, if y'all can please donate. And then honestly, it's the word of mouth. It's the really educating each other and even joining to volunteer to door knock. Um, I think one of the things I love about my campaign so far is that you know, I just get to meet people and, and really when you get to know someone, it's not just like, oh, what can I use, you know, from you? What can I exploit from you? It's like, whoa, um, what I learned in starting a immigrants and refugee pantry after the pandemic was you get to know people and you get to know their skill sets. And, you know, I know that even though I'm a big visionary person, I suck at the details. Like, I don't, I also don't eat vegetables. So, like, you know, when we had to, you know, when we had to, like, you know, package the vegetables and stuff like that, I can't be a leader in that. You know, there's no way that I'm just like, I don't know how much broccoli someone wants for a week. Um, (laughs) But, you know, there's other people who, like, really, you know, step up to the plate and they're the ones who end up, you know, planning other things. So during my campaign, I'm very interested in how do we all kind of connect um, and use all our skill sets to better, um, you know, the society and better Worcester. And so even y'all with Salsa Time, the fact that like y'all have a really chill radio show, you know, that like makes people feel comfortable and have people talk, you know, the more people talk and they're engaging and they're listening, that's a powerful tool. Um, and so I'm more interested in that, you know, aside from capitalistic means or door knocking, like, I think we have, we all have skills and that's what I want people to understand. Like you can I, I do agree. anything. I also give a lot of respect to people that recognize where their skill set stops and like recognizes, you know, what they are capable of doing and where their weaknesses lie and then can in turn work and collaborate with somebody that their skill set then, you know, like Ricky and I, Ricky's great at Instagram. Ricky's great at getting the message out. I don't love doing that stuff. I kind of hate it. Um, so, you know, when you find two people that collaborate well, and then you just build on that, like, that's how you, that's a network. And that is agreed. That's exactly. the kind of city that I want to be a part of. I want to be a part sure. of a city that has representation and, you know, has access to everything. Everybody has a fair chance of access for everything. That sounds like an amazing city to live in. I'm talking mm-hmm. about Ricky. <laughs> Um, so I was going through your website and I love, you know, your platform of honest government and youth education were two things that really stuck out to me just based off of listening to you for the last couple of minutes. You definitely seem to like embody that. What I know like honest government is what we all want. And I know that that's like an insanely hard thing to make happen. Mm-hmm. What's kind of like your attack plan for helping that become a reality? I think to begin with, like, so I went to Worcester Public Schools. I went there and like, you know, I didn't really, no one 
push me to vote until I was in college, you know? And then I was like, oh, all my peers are voting, you know? So then even the basic thing of like really teaching our youth about what it means to actually be civically engaged um, and not just the presidential election. (laughs) You know, I think so often we just know about the presidential election and it's like really one, the basics of educating. Um, And then two, I think about, you know, how a lot of things feel like there's backdoor deals or like you just wonder like, how did this start happening without my knowledge as a, as someone who's active and I pay attention and I'm like, whoa, that was just, <laughs> that just happened. Um, and then also, you know, once again, not having anyone we, we feel like are super allies on, you know, city council. And, you know, I know Christian and Sarai and I like love them to death. You know, I support them. Um, But, you know, they would never be able to swing any votes. You know, when you think about the the math, um, there's no way that um, they're, you know, they they would just be, what's it called, like dead end votes. You know, they just, they just be throwaway votes, I mean. Um, and so I think about those kind of things and I'm just like, whoa, um, what does it mean for us to have an honest government? You say is like education and having people understand how to get involved. And then two, I think the engagement is kind of rough. I mean, so during the last, the last two weeks, I would say is like, there was a vote that was said to be on, you know, the agenda. And then right before it was moved to the week after. And so you wonder, it's like, if I was a single mom, and mind you, I'm a privileged single young person, you know, that's why I have the capacity to do all this and be engaged. If I was a young single mom, how would I be able to like shift my work hours for two weeks in a row to, you know, talk at a city council meeting? Or I think about being a homeless person and I'm like, well, oftentimes they're forced to go back to the shelter to get a bed, wait for a bed um, around three to get one for four. And if city council's at like, you know, 530, you know, sometimes six, lasts all the way to 10 sometimes, how could that be possible? Um, and so I want us as a community to really shift these kind of rules um, to figure out how do we engage people. And now with, um, you know, the pandemic and online stuff, it's like, if I was homeless, how am I supposed to actually watch city council? Yeah. <laughs> how do you participate without a computer or a phone? Exactly. Yeah. I wonder if there's a way to set up, set up like, you know, a live stream at a shelter or, you know, like these things are so important. How is that not, I know like food and shelter is obviously like more important, but you know, at the shelter, there should be some TV set up streaming city council meetings, especially now that we're all, we're all at home watching them. Like should be able to participate literally anywhere. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think what you mentioned is kind of like the chicken or the egg kind of concept of like, like, of course, like a shelter food, is important right so like how do we get people to you know engage when they don't have the basics but then they need to engage to get the basics (laughs) they're just in this cycle of like okay I guess I'm kind of screwed and then so a lot of people have the mindset um even when I think about the Vietnamese populations a lot of them don't vote um mainly the elders right because one 
there's no language access for them. And then two, a lot of folks are like, it's the same old, same old, right? Like we gotta debunk that, but also understand like, yeah, this is a lot of history of people kind of walking through the chicken or the egg. Um, yeah, and oftentimes the basics went out, <laughs> the food and the shelter went out. It's also a lot of history of like them getting fed the narrative that their efforts are fruitless and that they don't shouldn't even bother because it's you know they're not going to get hurt and then that's a narrative that gets built for generations and generations and get passed down and it's something that we have to change because even like down in Georgia Stacey Abrams showing an entire population of people that you know their voices are important change the whole dynamic of the, the election yeah if exactly. that type of you know change builds across the country like yes sorry I get, I get these big grandiose thoughts because i'm like i get so excited about what can possibly be and then remember that there's so many other shit already in place preventing this stuff from happening and you just mm -hmm. go on this roller coaster of idealism yeah and i think one of the things that people don't understand about worcester as well is like people i feel oftentimes like, yes, Worcester is in this way progressive, you know, I think the way we treat each other, um, you know, I've oftentimes, I know the new, um, the Telegram Gazette had a lot of like hateful comments, but oftentimes in my personal life, no one ever treated me with a lot of discrimination around, you know, my, you know, gender identity or, you know, who I, how I present myself. Um, and so in many ways we're progressive, right? But then a lot of our other things is very conservative. Like, I think we're still having a lot of votes based on, um, you know, the white demographics and the more wealthy, but that is really a national kind of pattern. But I would say that a lot of times people are like, oh, you know, Worcester's not like Boston. It's not like Chicago, you know, it's not like Stacey Abrams. and. I just want to say, like, we have to, like, really stop discounting, you know, the yeah. the power that we have in Worcester um, or to think that this only happens in Boston where you have, like, a super progressive person, you know, or X, Y, Z. Like, I think it's possible in Worcester. Like, and I don't think that we should always aim for charismatic leaders or to pedestal people, you know, into, like, Bernie Sanders, AOC, um, I think they're great folks, obviously, but I also believe that like we grow our own as well. Um, yeah. And so go ahead, Ricky. No, I totally agree with you. I just, yeah. <laughs> well, so to your point though, like you said it before, politics starts at the local level and we have the ability to craft our local politics through these uh, city councilors and through, you know, other local representatives we don't have to wait until the whole nation gets to the level we want to be through the people and through the people mm -hmm. we support. Like we can change our own shit and not worry about everybody else. And then we become the beacon or like the, the example city. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. We often just like, you know, look towards other places. I'm like, why don't we look within? Like we got it here. Yeah. I totally agree. I mean, I, a lot of my friends and, and people that I'm close with are, in the restaurant industry. And there's always this thing when anything new opens in Worcester, there's a certain community that just kind of like complains about it. Like, Oh, we don't need more outside stuff coming in. We don't need more outside stuff coming in. But then they also don't necessarily support the things that started in Worcester and are growing from people in Worcester, even though it's a new place, like that's how it works. 
and they, you know, if you mention Boston, a lot of people will get so offended, but they like to look to them for leadership instead of just starting it ourselves. I don't, I totally agree with you. Like we, you know, why not us? Why not just do it in Worcester and not worry about what Boston or Chicago is doing? It's great. Yeah. And I think, you know, a lot of times we, we act or project in the world how we feel about ourselves. And sometimes, you know, people don't have the audacity to take the chance, you know, in themselves, or it feels too intimate to like, you know, really put your heart on the line for a local person in the government, you know? Um, and I, I just want you to have the courage to be like, nah, you should believe in you, you know, like you should kind of believe in your friends and your family. Um, also, when we talk about economic justice, like, yeah, sometimes we buy the brand names or we buy the artists that are really famous when our artist friends are there and we kind of want free things. It's like, oh, that's a nice T-shirt you made. Can I have it? And it's like, hello, you're going to pay like $100 for something else, but you won't give me like 45 for my T-shirt I made? You know? Yep. <laughs> yeah. Travis and I were just having this conversation. <laughs> Yeah, we need to reframe how we support each other and what that looks like. So for sure. Totally. Yeah. All right. That's awesome. So I, I'm, uh, I'm really curious to hear more about some of the, the work you did with the youth. Um, I was reading through some I don't know, bios or something, and I read something that you were teaching documentaries. I know you have a degree in studio art. Yes, yeah, studio art and sociology. You know, studio the, art and the sociology. The winning majors. <laughs> Those are, but that's a fantastic combination. That's like a. Yeah. So, did everybody assume you were just going to go into art therapy? Like coming out of school with those two degrees, did you have an intention? <laughs> um, no, exactly. No, I don't you? Think... Did you? So have an I also intention? had Sorry. a minor in education, so I think. Double major and a minor. No, it's okay. My internet's a little bit laggy. Yeah. <laughs> so, with with that type of like, did you want to go into politics, or did you did you have other plans in mind? Oh dear, politics was not part of my realm of thought until last year, to be quite honest. And once again, I've always been engaged and you know believe in paying attention to you sure. know what is past and you know what is happening, but being a top politician is like way out of my comfort zone. Um, I think there's one, not only do you have to like, you know, kind of be a decision maker, but the other piece is like, yo, have you ever seen the city council meetings and let's like roll call and you got to be like present, uh, <laughs> you know? And I'm just like, whoa, what is this like archaic system that they're doing? Like, <laughs> So, you know, um, those things are always very interesting for me and kind of funny, but I think I've always just done a lot of community work, a lot of youth work. Um, being a politician was kind of not a thing I thought about until, like I said, 2020, where I was like, sure. all right, it seems like, um, in a way, a calling. It feels like it was a very spiritual thing for me because around June, I was feeling the kind of like oh in my stomach I'm like am I supposed to run like that's weird like I don't want to <laughs> in a way you know I was like whoa that's not anything I ever imagined and then by November it was like yeah like you know I think doing politics and being at you know a city 
government even level is important for us to one reimagine the you know the recovery of covid like i'm thinking about the future i'm thinking about like two three years along the line i think we're in survival mode but you know once we kind of settle a little bit more um what does that look like and once again if we're not at those tables and we're not thought of then we're going to be continuously left behind but yeah being a politician was definitely <laughs> it's it's a new thing i'm getting used to it every day but i think the support that everyone has given me makes me just feel like yeah this is a thousand percent what you know was meant to happen that's rad I could never imagine being a politician <laughs> again. Like, yeah, like you're saying, being, being engaged in all that, like definitely was something I've been doing. I never paid, you know, regrettably, I never paid that close of attention to city council until last summer. I feel like everything that was going on really heightened everybody's awareness as to how important, you know, I don't want to say an afterthought, but like city council was never anything that I paid attention to. And then next thing I know, I'm watching these Facebook live of, you know, city council meetings. I'm like, what am I doing? Like, <laughs> I'm reading but Jenny Basillo's like, line by line tweets. Yeah. Of- yeah. Jenny's live tweeting the whole thing. And I'm like, this is incredible. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Who needs scandal and like all those poly- political like TV shows when we have like our own you know, yeah. drama unfolding. <laughs> right. <laughs> So it was it was working with kids or working with youth, I should say, that you seems like you really were into. Like, what kind of stuff did you do? Yeah, so I'm one of those who like started doing youth work when I was a youth myself. You know, I started doing youth work around 17. Um, and then when I went to college, I kind of took it on more to do. First, I started doing, you know, supporting youth with college kind of stuff. But as a person of color um, going to college, you know it's not that simple as like, oh, you gotta get an A and write a nice essay. Um, It's really about identity. Uh, Once youth go to college, like a lot of youth of color struggle because they're like, whoa, I'm a fish out of water. Or like, oh, I don't have the support systems that I used to, or they start entering a world that's, um, you know, more white or more wealthy and then they're like well I'm not used to this and so they have that kind of internal struggle within themselves and so a lot of my youth around college was trying to get youth solid about their identities and who they are where they're from um, know their roots and feel good grounded enough to fly away into a place like college and then I ended up doing um, I started I co-founded an organization, Insight, um, to teach youth how to make social documentaries. And so with that was actually when I started becoming more radical um, or politicized, I should say, because I started learning about youth stories um, and being like, whoa, like this world. And like, I mean, I have my own experiences as a youth of color in Worcester. But then when you start really engaging with other youth and doing the storytelling piece, um, we had a documentary around, you know, undocumented youth. We had a story about homelessness um, and youth. And we had, you know, hip hop and like music and talent and youth. And we had youth talking about colorism in their own community. 
And that was when I was like, and mind you, once again, <laughs> even though I was a youth doing this work, I was like probably 20 by then. Um, you just see 15, 16 year olds like having these deep, deep conversations um, and opening a reality that not all of us um, experience or lived. Um, and it made me understand the world so much more. And that's when I kind of, you know, in this beautiful way was like, yes, this is what I want to dedicate my life to, is to one, um, mentor and nurture more youth and people in our own community, as well as I need to constantly grow. You know, there's so many, there's so many lives happening. Um, and I know we can't learn about everything. Like I didn't learn about Palestine until I was like 27, you know, but I think this is where we just have to really get to know people. That's why I'm such a relational person. Cause I'm like, yeah, I could have all this ideology or assumptions or I read books about X, Y, Z, but until you get to know somebody, you're like, well, there's so much um, in this world for us to understand. Are those documentaries available anywhere? I'm actually not quite sure. I would have to check back because it has been a few years. Yeah. Yeah. I know That's... we posted some on like YouTube and stuff, but I don't know if we pulled it over the years. Okay. That sounds... To watch. Yeah, uh, yeah right? <laughs> I'm sitting here like, I need to watch these. Um, that's, that's, I mean, but that's super cool. That's, that's super cool. So working with the youth, like, did you kind of help them tell their stories? Like, did you do video work? Like, or is it more of just kind of like giving them critique and how does that work? Oh, all of it. Um, once again, we were paying the youth, which was like amazing. We got a grant to like stipend them to be part of the program. It was like, I think a roughly 12 week program, um, for them to, do it from the beginning, you know, start with themselves and get to know each other. There was a group of, I believe, 12 of us. And, you know, we really started having those dialogue to break down, you know, what is oppression? You know, what is your story? Um, even talking about media and how there's only like five at that time, five major corporations that owned all media, right? And so we were doing media literacy um, lesson plans to be like, what does this mean when the five corporations don't really include your stories? And, you know, to really get that place of empowering them to have a voice and understand that they're doing counter storytelling. Um, and so it started really at the bare basics and then going into like teaching them how to use a camera. Um, you know, what are B-rolls? I, I was learning as I go, you know, because I'm oh, a yeah. student. I'm like, you know, I, I'm kind of good with editing and technology, but I never was a camera person. But, you know, you kind of just teach them the basics and then they start rolling out their own creativity, you know, their own stories. Um, and so we did it from, you know, zero to 100 with them in 12 weeks. Yeah. That's so awesome. <laughs> I wish I was a part of that program. I, I, that's what I was, I was literally just thinking like, what are those dudes, like what are those youth doing now? You know what I mean? Like, did you empower those Oh, they're those amazing. Kids? They are amazing. You stay in I don't think, <laughs> Yeah, I don't think I could tell you what all of them are doing, but you know, I think some of them are campaign managers and have been, you know, doing amazing political work. Um, some of them have gone to, you know, Harvard um, and they just, and not to say that these titles are the 
definitions of success. Um, but I think a lot of them ended up doing a lot of community and political work um, because that's what we were kind of teaching them. And even those who like ended up doing music um, and being, you know, going to UMass Lowell and doing more like medical things, I think it's still at the core of who they are today. Um, and I don't know, youth work is very interesting because once again, I'm 30 or turning 30. And like, you wouldn't imagine like when I was 20, doing this, you know, insight and teaching youth how to make social documentaries that like later on that, you know, they'd be, well, I don't want to say I didn't imagine them being great, but, but, you know, you just don't imagine like how expansive the world could be for them um, once they kind of open their mind. And, you know, we return to each other, we meet every now and then, and I'm just like, whoa, like y'all are cooler than me now. <laughs> That's, I mean, that's incredible. And that just shows what a little bit of a little bit of hard work, a little bit of attention given to somebody that maybe not necessarily has it, what it could yield, the potential that it could yield. And, you know, mm-hmm. that doesn't explain why we need to correct our access problems. I don't know what does. Yeah, I mean, I think sometimes the fact that we don't have like we have so many barriers, then it ends up on community to do the, to to almost be the exceptional people, right? Like it, it ends up on, you know, us taking care and nurturing our own like two boxes of rows that grew from concrete, right? Like all of a sudden um, you have these exceptional people who grow out of these um, horrible circumstances. But that's my hope is that that doesn't happen, you know, that we don't have to, you know, work so hard to break the concrete, you know, that like, what if we were already in a space that recognizes that, you know, there's different types of leadership, that there's different types of intelligence. Um, One of the heartbreaking things for me as a youth worker is like you see five-year-olds who are already stressed about life, you know, who already feel stupid. You know, I remember because I also worked at the YMCA. I remember a seven-year-old like crying because she couldn't do her homework. And, you know, I sat with her, talked to her, and she was just like, my grandma's going to be so mad at me. I feel so stupid. And I was just like, you're seven. You know, like, <laughs> like I suck at math. I don't even know how to teach you this, like, weird <laughs> math equations that they have. But they, like, start internalizing Um all these ways in which they're not great. And it's like what we said before, it's about skill sets. You know, how do we kind of, um, you know, be fluid with, I know this, you know this, we work together. Instead, youth are kind of taught to be like, oh, you don't know chemistry? Like, you fail. <laughs> like, like, no, you're not a failure because of chemistry. Um, so, yeah, it is, I think of youth and I just always try to tell them to think beyond um, you know, what we're told or what we're graded on and what we imagine um, to be success or failure. Yeah, I'm kind of ranting because that no. really got me in my feels. Like, no, you're I good. It when you get heartbroken. Yeah. But it's like to, the old adage is it takes a village to raise a child. And like, so at what point should it be, I don't know whether it's a government's, you know, responsibility of, of allowing all this stuff or should it be the community's responsibility to make sure that their community is taken care of? I, I don't have the answer to that. It's kind of rhetorical, but that being said, 
we understand that that's the way it works. So we are going to choose to make our community, our village as, as supportive mm -hmm. and as, as uplifting as possible. And by adding these programs, I mean, shit, that's where it starts, right? Yeah. And actually, you know, that's what I loved about mutual aid is like over the nation, we just saw people who was like, well, it looks like, you know, we ain't going to get them stimulus checks anytime soon. <laughs> and it seems like there's food insecurity all over. Um, what can we do about it? And so, you know, it really was community taking care of each other. And honestly, it was insane because I think by like April or May, um, the government was actually relying on mutual aid groups throughout the nation. <laughs> You know, it was like, they were like, oh, how do we tap into your funds? How do we, how do we, how do we sign up people for your pantries? And I'm just like, wait, 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 hold up, hold up. Like, why you got this reversed? <laughs> but I think it also made this moment where we were able to reimagine different alternatives and how successful they were. And also to push the government to do better, you know, where we're like, whoa, like, obviously we're going to help people, but like. Y'all need to get it together. <laughs> um, and so I think that started happening. Um, and it also shifted the power dynamics where it's like people could start trusting each other again and trusting the goodness of people, which I feel like, um, you know, in a hard time during a pandemic, what more can you ask for than to have some heart alchemy involved in there and being like, wow, we... We get to be in community again. And I think that's one of the blessings. Yeah, for sure. I mean, community is everything. hundred percent. And like our city is, is built up of the people and it's built up of the actions and it's built up of the thoughts. And, you know, we have the ability to change that. We may not always believe it, but by telling each other that it's cool and it's cool, you know, we're going to change it and we're going to continue to build this city that we all clearly love and shape it to the way that we really want to shape it an inclusionary city that doesn't necessarily price people out yeah, that's yeah. We, won't, we won't go down <laughs> that yeah, no, that's, that's definitely a thing you know and we think about like all the evictions that's you know that's been happening after the eviction ban and stuff and i know like the you know homeowners and renters like that's a very you know, sensitive topic, but I, I think one of the things that I always think about is like, we're almost on the same team. It's like, you know, as, as much as, you know, I think on the day to day, it feels like, Hey, where, you know, I have to pay you and you have to pay the bank. And so when we get caught up in just the, I pay you and you aren't paying me moment, you don't realize like the bigger picture is like, Whoa, why, why is living and having a house or an apartment that difficult? Um, and that's the conversation we need to have. But oftentimes we, we only get mad at each other instead of the bigger system. I agree with that. Totally agree with that. So we're kind of getting close to the end of our time, but I wanted to make sure that we touched on that this month's a pretty big month for you, right? It's, we keep alluding to you're turning 30, <laughs> so happy early birthday. Yes, my birthday is on the 30th, March 30. So yeah, it's going to be a big one. Um, I'm really excited. We're having a lot of fundraisers and more chill ones. I've done a lot of um, 
conversations and solidarity with folks, which I love the series. But, you know, because it's my birthday, um, we're just trying to celebrate and have a good time. I'll also be selling T-shirts that says Vote 2 on them for my birthday. So they're going to be a special edition. Very, very cool. I block printed them myself. You did you really <laughs> that's rare yeah 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 i spent this weekend doing it just because as an artist you kind of like yo i just want to make my campaign fun i don't want it to feel so you know like grindy um yeah. this is like a fun kind of grind yeah but that's i love that that makes it personal if that isn't showing you know who you are as a person that's just i don't I keep going to that type of statement but um that's really really rad like that is going to make you unique if we're talking about marketing terms you know nobody else is making their own shirts or making their own <laughs> campaign buttons you designed your own logo i'm assuming uh yeah one of my youth actually did um because that's still even on. cool yeah that's, that's why a full circle having youth on my campaign is so crucial um yeah and then actually one of my friends who is an artist uh i met through the immigrants and refugee pantry she was the one who carved all the um, blocks for me to print so you know once again it's everyone using their talent and skill to really get this campaign going but a campaign's a team and it's a yeah. team where yeah we're all getting behind one person but that one person's ideas is going to help everybody else that's really cool so can you remind people how to how to find you on the internet and uh how to support your mission yeah, so you could check my website out at um, vote2.com and also on Facebook, Twitter, and I'm at, at vote2. And then uh, actually, Facebook, Insta, and Twitter, it's at vote2. Awesome. Yeah. Brand consistency. I like it. I always hate when everybody has like a different, you know, it's a different Twitter or a different Instagram. And I'm like, just keep it all the same. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's definitely important because then you get confused as well. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, too, I hope we can meet each other out in public soon and, you know, maybe get a cup of coffee and talk about ways we can continue making the city amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Especially now the sun's out. You know, I think February was a tough month with all the snow, but I feel good about March. So, yeah. Sam, your birthday is just like our guiding light now. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. But I'm actually a sunset chaser. So it was hard to catch sunsets when they were like 4 p.m. Yeah. <laughs> now it's stuff like, to do. Yeah. Now, you know, 545, I could just be out on the lake and, you know, kind of chill and meditate yeah. and see the sun. There you go. I like that. That sounds incredible. Nice. Well, uh, we will definitely be talking to you soon. All right. again awesome. for joining Thank us. you so much for having me. Thank you. Welcome back, guys. Um, that was awesome. Two rules. I am very, very excited to have a candidate who seems to like kind of want the same things that I would would Seriously. want. Very, you know, into public safety, very into an open government, which I know is an uphill battle. And I know that that like, realistically, that's never going to happen as a whole, um, on any level of government, but it's, it's cool to have a, you know, a person who, who's at least like going into it with the right intentions and yeah, seems to have their stuff together. It's very impressive. Yeah. A, a lot of what they said was fantastic. Uh, it was fantastic. Really just getting to learn more about too. 
I haven't really cared about local politics much up until past six to eight months, given everything that's happened over the summer until now. So oh, yeah, with this kind of not renewed interest so much as newfound interest, you know, it's, it's refreshing to meet people like to, and, and to get to help support them into crafting the city that we all want. Yeah. I mean, you and I both seem to, you know, have zero plans of ever leaving the city. I'm like, <laughs> so it's kind of cool that like, you know, two's in there trying to make it a better place to be. And eventually like, you know, for the next generation to have somewhat of a say in their government. It's pretty, pretty rad. And it doesn't rest all on one pair of shoulders. Like this is going to be a mission that we're all going to need to take up and we're all going to need to push forward these people that are holding the ideals that we all believe in, but through progress, through constant change or through constant effort, we can do this and we can continue making great progress. Exactly. There's a lot of people, me included, who are like, this sucks. It should be different. And two is a badass. It was like, you know what? I'm going to try. <laughs> yeah. like, I'm going to try to actually change it. So. Roll up those sleeves and get dirty. I love it. Exactly. Best. So thank you very much. All Thanks right. too. I think it's time. Hit us with that good, good Rockwell. I totally forgot that's something else that happened. Rockwell paid me a surprise visit on Friday night. I know. I saw. He's like, I popped on Instagram. I was like, oh, what? He's like, dude, it's nice out. And we're going to. So I said last show that Rockwell's puppy passed not puppy she was 14 their dog yeah. passed away so they went and shopped for a fruit tree they're going to plant a tree for sadie which is so That's sweet adorable and they'll probably get the kids to help which is just utterly amazing they're they're great parents but the point is they were only a half hour away so matt's wife christy was like how far is worcester so just out of sheer coincidence my the timing worked out and i got to hang with them and it That's was awesome so we went on a hike oh, it was just like the the wetlands boardwalk over here oh yeah yeah. i love that spot it's such a rad spot yeah and so we got to watch the ducks and the geese and the kids were loving it it's just it was a lot of fun so that's it was great to see them oh, yeah. all right uh poking time so speaking of ducks oddly enough uh i've been watching a lot of youtube like we all have been watching a lot of entertainment <laughs> and content and the ad that keeps coming up for whatever reason is a dawn dish soap ad and Ricky and I were talking about before the episode that they had an, uh, a commercial years ago where they used Dawn dish soap to clean up an oil spill. I don't know if it was the Valdez or the, uh, one of the other ones. I don't know. I don't know. Was, I'm sure we can find that commercial yeah, on YouTube though. <laughs> probably. Or you can too, listener. Go have fun. Uh, send, it, send it to us. Point is like they were using you know, footage from the actual day for a while. And then there's this new commercial that I just saw where it's this tiny baby duckling. And right at the beginning of the commercial, it says, this has been dramatized. This is not oil. But still, they drop this baby duckling in a puddle of just like murky ass mud. And the thing is covered in like just dark grime, muddy water. And then they put it in Dawn dish soap and it cuts through grease and then at the end it's just running with its family which is all sweet right yeah it's all but they had to put that fucking duck in the mud why why do we need to muddy up a duck to sell dish soap what's wrong with showing dishes all right 
you so you sent over the commercial and just now while you like we watched it before we started recording <clears throat> um and then just now when you were explaining it again the puddle that they put this poor duck in makes me think of like when i was younger uh my uncles down the cape were both fishermen so like every summer we get on the cape like um, almost every weekend but we would go on the boat and like hang out and stuff but some of the days they would go out like way earlier and like i wouldn't want to go i just want to go to the beach but we'd go and meet them later and like get fish and like whatever but you go to the like the port where the like boat comes in and when you're younger you don't think about anything and you're still playing in this like sand but it's like wet and gross and like clearly oily and it very much so looks like that type of puddle that these poor ducks so like i know there's no oil like they're like they're clearly they not stuck into oil but like I'm, i've been in that puddle before like i know that that's not a clean whatever it was it puddle. was more than just dirt it it's probably like Gross. i don't know <sighs> who the hell knows i just don't understand like i'm not i'm not a pita style person i just I think commercials are dumb in and of themselves. And we keep like, nobody could just be straightforward anymore. It has to be these weird kind of like derivative messages. Like just show me that it cleans the fucking dishes and I'll buy yeah. it. Seriously. I, I feel you. I'm the same way. I'm like, Oh, I'm glad it works on ducks. Like that's cool that, you know, if you're ever, but I ain't got home, no ducks. I was going to say, if you're, ever, if you're ever at home and like you spill oil in your driveway and for some reason, you didn't take the proper actions to clean that up. You're going to have huge problems. But also, if a duck happens to walk through your yard and fall in this puddle, and you're like, oh, my gosh, this duck, you probably, you know, more likely are going to have Don. Now you know what will work. That's cool. Yeah. But also, like, I don't think that needs to be a commercial anymore. I also Just think like any other dish. dish soap would work because that's how soap works. But neither Don's here nor there. Did you know that they actually named it Don because of the D in duck? Ducks always win. Now. Now. <laughs> I was like, I don't know. I didn't think this through. Okay, enough of that. <laughs> if uh, if we, I'm going to cut this part, but if either one of us was a black comic, there was a very obvious way to end that's. I'm glad you're gonna cut this part because I the whole time I was like, there is only one word going through my mouth. <laughs> it's not gonna be okay. And I can't even like allude to a joke about it because it's not okay. But that's the only thing that was going through my mind. Because like, it's the perfect the little punctuation on ducks always win. Yep. Anyway. Really? Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh, man. So I am stoked that the government decided to give us stimulus money or more money for COVID relief. Because as of today, I got this stupid blue blanket on because it's cold as shit in my house because the goddamn furnace broke. And I got to buy a new furnace, which is probably going to rack me up like $4,500. So uh. thanks, government, because I don't know how the hell else I would have been able to afford that otherwise. Yeah. I mean, we have money to afford it, but that's a big, yeah, but it's a that's big a, hit. That's a chunk. That's a very big chunk. Yeah, not not stoked on that. No. Uh, 
but that's one of the things that like when you buy a house like growing up your parents are like it's not it's not easy to own a house and you're like yeah okay mom like i'll be eating cheerios see you later and then you get a house and you're like oh my god if anything breaks not anything but there's like there's like a handful of things that if they break you're like Ooh, i do that's a what happens now <laughs> like that, that's a decent chunk of anything um, so, yeah, I called my dad why. about it this morning, just kind of like getting his opinion. And he was like, well, do you have a, do you have a switch anywhere that you could accidentally, cause he has oil furnace. Yeah. My parents do too. There was a day when my mom went away when we were kids, she was on a business trip and my dad hit the thing by accident going down the stairs and turned off the heat and we couldn't figure it out for like eight hours. Want to hear a funny story about that? So the same thing happened at the dive bar. Oh, no. Um, yeah. So <clears throat> there was a time the dive, I mean, the boiler, the dive was garbage, but like it needed to be serviced. So it was serviced, but it was blamed on me. And I know there's literally no way I could have done this. I know what happened. So when they serviced it, they obviously shut everything off. So I'm guessing earlier that day, Alec was there with them. They fixed it. But, you know, before they did, he just flipped the switch off. They fixed it and it was never turned back on. So I got there. I worked. It was a Tuesday. I think that it got fixed. I ended up working that night, which I never really did. And I was like, wow, it's cold as fuck in this place. And like the heat, I kept checking the heater and like it wouldn't come on. I'm like, oh man, this like kind of sucks. But like, maybe it's just so cold out that that's, that's why, because it was like one of those, like, you know, February, like really, really cold. So I worked the entire night, like in a coat. I was, you couldn't even like feel your anything. It was, it was miserable. Luckily it was a Tuesday. I was pretty much the only person there. The next day Ian brought like a space heater. So I had this like space heater on the bar. Cause like we couldn't figure out what the problem was. So I worked and like people would come in. Nobody told Alec. No, well, nobody knew. Like we didn't know. No, he knew that like there was an issue, but he didn't know what it was. Understood. So I think he actually might've been away or something. Like there was some reason why he didn't come in. So I worked all Wednesday night with the space heater. And of course you hear the like, it's warmer outside. And I'm like, I can't go outside. Like, I know, but I can't go out there. So like, what do you want me to do about it? I'm not pumped about this. So then the next day, Thursday, I worked my night and I get there and I'm like, oh man, three nights in a row of like it being cold out, which makes it not very busy, but also like it's cold as fuck inside. So he gets, I get there and then he gets there and he's like, can I talk to you for a second? I was like, yeah, what's up? Also, like, am I supposed to say no? There's only two of us here. Like, <laughs> yeah, of course you can. I'm like, yeah, what's up, man? Sorry, boss. No, too busy. Yeah, yeah, too busy doing nothing. So he, we go downstairs. And as you're walking down those, like, old-ass stairs, there's two light switches, right? There's a switch, right? Yeah, there's a switch over on your, if you're going down, there's a switch on your left, which is the light for, like, the bottom of the stairs right when you get down there and there's a switch over here which turned on the lights in like the back room and the ice machine room so when you leave at night you just reach up flip these switches and you're good and then when you get there to go downstairs you just flip those bitches back up the boiler switch was like down it was on the same side as the light switch you know to like turn those lights on but it's it's low 
like it's probably like hip high, right? For me, I've never touched that switch in my life. I never asked questions about it because I didn't need to know what it did. I didn't care. I knew it was a boiler switch, but like I've never had to shut it off. It almost didn't so he, exist to you. I understood. No, not at all. I, I when I go to work, I have a very like 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 strict way I do things, and if I don't do anything outside of that, because I'll drive myself crazy, I'm sicko. But <laughs> so he's like the other night when you left on Saturday, you must have just shut the lights off and flipped the switch off. And I'm looking at him and I'm like, no, I didn't, I didn't, I've never done that in my life. And he's like, yeah, there's no other way to explain it. Like, you know, they came and fixed it. And I was like, it probably was shut off when they came to fix it. And he's like, nope, I definitely turned it back on. You know, when you left the other night, you must've, when you shut the lights off, you must've hit that. And I know why was like, watch me. And I like put my hands where the light switch, cause they're hot. I put my hands where the lights were just right. I was like, for me to hit that switch, I would have to like, like, it would have been like a wrestling entrance. Like, I would have been like, what? Boom! Like, nobody does that. I've n- I can't even do that. You can't actually make, this doesn't work. And he, to like, for weeks was telling everybody that it was my, like, I shut this boiler off, all this stuff. And I was like, also, even if I did, the only person I hurt was myself because I had to work all these nights. But I also didn't do it that way. He just didn't want to own up to the fact that he, uh, he flipped that switch and never turned it back on. So, Alec, if you're listening, which I know you're not, it wasn't me. <laughs> hey, I uncovered some shit there. But that's I did awesome. some boiler switch. Like, my mom is a little kid. I was like, don't touch that. I was like, all right, cool. I they never touched the switch. one ever. But then I got blamed for shutting it off to the bar where it's in a spot that makes no sense for me to touch. Amazing. You never know what you're going to get on the Seltzer Time podcast. So I guess that's what I'm <laughs> stoked about is that Ricky is a nutcase, and I love him. <laughs> People are going to be texting me this fucking switch now. Like, they're going to listen to this, and I'm going to get DMs and text messages of just that switch. If you don't send them pictures of that switch, I'm disappointed in you. <laughs> what do you got for the people, Ricky? Happens. All right. Uh, so my book, last night with the Grammys, they were actually entertaining for the first time in forever. No way. Uh, yeah, it was great. It, it, honestly, it was a good job. There was no fans or anything, which I think made it better because it was very performance-heavy. It was very like, excuse me, they were allowed to think a lot of the performances were not shot there. They were pre-shot, which made it cool too. Um, but Megan the Stallion, my girl, and Cardi B, my other girl, performed. And like Megan won a whole bunch of awards. She won like three out of the four she was up for. Like Beyonce went up, but it was like a cool moment. Like it was it's funny seeing how I'm also old as hell. I knew a bunch of the people who were performing and I was really pumped at like John Mayer performed Marin Morris and uh, Anderson pocket, Bruno Mars are like the only thing I care about right now. They technically performed twice and they're amazing. Um, but there's a lot of songs I heard that I only knew through TikTok. <laughs> I was like, wait, that's who that is. Like, I didn't know who Dua Lipa was. I until... still don't know who Dua Lipa is. So you would know like, I know the song. Yeah, it's all like TikTok. What's the other one? Doja Cat? Doja Cat, yeah. All these people do these songs that I only know through TikTok. And I was like, oh, that's a a TikTok song. Hell yeah. And it was great. And they're they're cool. Whatever, I I get it. But so Megan Thee Stallion performed like all her hits, which are all TikTok songs because she's so catchy. But her and Cardi B performed WAP because it's the best song of all time. And you're not going to have this show highlighting the last year in music without 
you know, a performance of the biggest song of the last probably 10 years. But it also like reignited these ridiculous memes um, from a lot of like small town Facebook that where people are like still upset with Dr. Seuss, who wasn't canceled. We already went into this, but they're like, how can you cancel Dr. Seuss, but promote this? And it's always, always what every single meme. They don't even know any other song there. I'm sure they would never even listen to it. Probably. They just can't wrap their heads around the fact that like, there's this female empowerment song. That's so good. And so huge. The song slaps. It's so good. It's still so good. I mean, I'll never get sick of hearing that song. It does. It's just like it's that one that mm, that uh, so talk good. about a TikTok craze. Like it's, that's one of those dances I will always watch. And whether it's, it's a big fat gay man or the skinniest, like I love every person that does it because they so all good. do their own flair on it and they put the finger. Oh, it's the best. It's so good. It's so good. So. Yeah, I don't know. Today was a whole... Every time I went on any form of social media, that stupid meme came from some moron that I went to high school with. It was just like, I don't understand. You're canceling Mr. Potato Head, but this is getting promoted. It's like, what the, What are you talking about? Like, also, there's other songs, guys. You can find other songs that also make no sense in this argument that, to begin with, makes no sense. Like, save but a horse, like, ride a cowboy. Yeah, like, just like, pick any song because your argument is ridiculous anyway but uh so yeah that's a thing yeah. um my stoke, that's stupid <clears throat> it's so dumb my stoke i finally know somebody who went like like a crazy amount of viral on tiktok legit naomi viral. naomi went legit to, like went legitimately tiktok viral well she posted well technically Technically, it was maybe that went viral. True, 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 true. Maybe is the talent. Naomi is the director. So over the weekend, Naomi posted this video on TikTok of maybe laying on the pellet stove and like the fire's going and stuff. And like, she's totally safe. It's warm. Didn't we talk what? about this last episode too? How the cat's like jumping up there. I the think you were talking about the pellet stove and you're like, yeah, and the cats love going up there because it's warm. They do. They love, we were super nervous at first. Cause like neither one of us ever had a pellet stove. And we obviously like the cats are the only thing that matters at all for anybody, but maybe refuses to listen to us. And after a while we're like, she's actually fine. Like I, you can put your hand on it. It's you're totally fine. So she posted this video and used like that song. It's like this girl is on fire. And it's, it's funny as hell. Like maybe it's adorable. So she posted this video and we didn't think much of it. And then she's like texting me the next day. She's like, oh my God. Like I, she posted it like Friday night, I think. And then Saturday or something, she looked at it. Like she like sat down and she's like, what the hell? And she had like all these new followers. There was all these crazy notifications. So she looked, but TikTok had taken her video down <clears throat> and she could still see it, but like they, they took it off of her like profile or whatever for uh, animal endangerment. So yeah, something like that. And she's like, what the heck? All the comments were like, first of all, their comments were insane. A lot of them were definitely from like other countries, all kinds of different languages were being used. used. It was, it was, it was very impressive. There's also so many fucking racist people. Uh, it, like, I'm not even going to say any of these things, but like some of the 
all of the like jokes that were made oh were wildly were they cuisine related yeah it was ah oh, lame moronic fucking lame. and there, there were some people who were wicked funny and they were like oh like what the heck and it, it was like very like funny like people being like oh it's like uh like a well-done floof or something like it, they weren't like aimed at anybody they were very no. much like and they're like a hard eye and like stuff like that. Just being then, silly. I saw one comment yeah. that's like me, me when I jump on my boyfriend when it's cold outside. Exactly. And they, they were wicked funny. And then there was also like the people who were not funny. And it was ridiculously inappropriate. But so that video got taken down and it had like 14.9 thousand likes and or view. Yeah. Likes or views or something like that. So she was like, what do I do? So she like made a video of maybe then like laying on it with it not on. And she's like, cat's totally fine, you guys. Like I would never let anything happen to my cats. The next day, she's like, I'm going to post it again. I was like, yeah, do it. So she posted it again. And but it was like, don't worry. She's like, she's totally safe. She likes doing this, whatever. The co- and there's a million people who commented and they were like, oh, my cats do the same thing. Like it's a pellet stove. It's not hot to the touch. Like the cats, cats are totally smarter safe. than they look. Exactly. Also, if the cat was in danger, it would move. <laughs> the cat's if like, it was at all uncomfortable, it wouldn't be there. Nobody's yeah. holding the cat there. Exactly. Like it's a cat. Like they're if they're uncomfortable, like they will do anything to not be uncomfortable. So, but it went like re-viral, like, like again, to the point where like when we looked before we started recording, it was at what like eight hundred and something thousand views this insane amount of likes and comments and like it was it's crazy we've just been watching this happen for like the two days now as of as of this taping 800 so it has 43.7 thousand likes and 88 uh, 889.2 thousand views wow yeah it's it's wild she's gained like over a thousand followers in like a couple days 1224 it's been crazy to watch i didn't i know like so like sarah had a video that went viral i don't think it was this viral because it was like 200 and something and i have no idea what that was like to watch it happen but this has been a wild ride watching it like just it's been crazy because then you also see these like upticks in your other videos and, and things you've posted a long time ago people are going back and like liking things watching things it's just it's such a crazy animal. TikTok is very interesting. Yeah, I see, I see the other one. Maybe is vibing. Oh, uh, dude, maybe maybe he's always vibing. That's that's awesome. Congratulations, yeah. maybe. Congratulations, Naomi. That's incredible. Uh, both of them, both of them are very excited. <laughs> I like to say I remember. I knew you when, or I knew you. I know. Before. Yeah, maybe. Like, luckily, she hasn't had the like fame attitude yet. But I think you know she's waiting for it to get a million views and it's not super far off. And it's like, I'm really nervous of what kind of, you know, I can imagine if Naomi is able to tap into the creator fund before you are. (laughs) So I don't know. I, the, the creator funds weird. Cause you have to have, I mean, I think she's like probably surpassed the views you need, I think. Um, but the, the other thing is like likes or follows have to be like very high, like 10,000. Yeah. yeah. It, there's I there's think. something, some it's crazy a, number. Yeah. It's a big benchmark. It's a benchmark that's very much attainable, but it's also a benchmark that's like, you probably need like two videos to go viral, at least not just 
this one. But yeah, it's it's really, really, really fun. It's kind of like I think it's I think watching this happen has been the closest I'll ever get to like a gambling addiction. Cause you keep checking, you're like, what's it at now? Like, what is this? It's so sick. Well, I so, imagine yeah. the easiest way to get two viral videos is to start with one. So that's a good point. Imagine if she did like Naomi becomes like the biggest TikTok creator in Massachusetts. At least in Worcester, the biggest cat content. It's yeah, it's all cats. Like you better call them fucking bastards up at Chewy again. Be like, yo, we yo, need Chewy, like yeah. six more kids. <laughs> we need like Chewy. six more cat houses. Yeah, Chewy, where's that brand deal? <laughs> awesome. So well, while yeah. we wait for Chewy to give us a call, they're, they're on the list with soap with Polar. You guys can check back with. We are the coolest week. people ever. <laughs> Cat toys and seltzer. Cat What's toys not? and seltzer. Uh, <laughs> I have been Travis. You could find me at Dick, not Dick Chuck 77. What the fuck am I even saying? At Hunchback Travis. Find me at Hustle and Work. Uh, Hunchback Graphics. I'm all over the place. Or you could just find me at seltzertime.com. I'm drowning. Don't do that. Excuse me. No um, dying. That's I, rule number one. I know, right? I have been Ricky. You can find me at DickChuck77 or Seltzer Time Official on everything. Maybe we'll have Naomi become our creative director on TikTok because <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, Ricky's trying like hell to make any of his videos go viral. Can somebody help I, him? I think the problem is I'm not trying enough. I think it's very like, uh, I should probably do something. And then it's like, sometimes I think I'm having fun. And then sometimes, today I just threw up like two random videos that they're not even like, I'm not doing any, I'm literally sitting on the couch, but I was like, Hey, whatever. Like maybe this will be my thing. It's just going to be the live looks at what I'm doing. My girlfriend made me chips and cheese. Yeah. Yeah. Them? I wrote a little song. How'd that do? I should look. I haven't looked at it. Since I don't I know. It. I took a nap. Today was very like, today was a very good, good. Day. It was kind of like, I feel like when people go to the spa and like I had a spa day, that was kind of like my day. Like I sat near the pellet stove and I like took a, took a nap and like, had some chips and cheese. Like, I don't know. I just like, that's my spot. Yeah, it was adorable. I had a salad for dinner. Well, it's okay. It, it counteracts the chips and cheese for lunch. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Awesome, people. See you next week. Bye, guys. Oh, buy some merch. Sorry for partying. <laughs>